I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Chanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Stardust is many, many things, a magnificent creature who does it all. Today, we'll be speaking with Stardust, and you'll learn not just who Stardust is, but what is Stardust. I first met Stardust at the Las Vegas Doll Con, and I was immediately enraptured by her beauty. Then I heard her speak, and I thought, I need to know more. Yeah, Stardust is an artist, jewelry maker, storyteller, and writer based in Los Angeles. She has written and published works of fantasy and has a magazine dedicated to music and muses called Starseed Magazine. Today we talk about her most memorable concerts, her connection to Pamela DeBar and the Los Angeles Dolls, her jewelry line Twisted by Stardust, and how music can save your life and the soul connection between us. We will link in the show notes her books, and in the meantime, you can find her on Instagram at stardust.lady, underscore twisted by stardust, underscore, and starseed magazine. Enjoy the show. We are here with Stardust. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you, ladies. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be a part of it. So for listeners who don't know about you yet, we thought a good opening question for you would be, who is Stardust? Tell us about yourself. I think the correct way to ask that question is more of like, what is Stardust? Because I'm kind of a hodgepodge of of many things. I'm an artist. I used to sell weed at dispensaries. I, I do a little bit of everything. I can make stuff with metal. I do stuff with art. Just a person who loves living and just loves being themselves. I, I love being myself and I don't hold back. <laughs> when I first saw you in Las Vegas before I even spoke to you, you have such a presence and you're such a vision. Not only are you so physically beautiful um, and just really a kind of a head turner but then when I heard you speaking I was just so interested and in like who is this? So I'm looking forward for everybody else to be able to get to know you a little bit as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, spread the stardust. There's plenty to go around. All right, we'll do that. So let's get into your early life. Where did your love of music begin? Wow, that is a question. So my earliest memories of life in general are listening to Eleanor Rigby and Cashmere. So it started pretty young. And my parents were always kind of into rock and roll and very big music people. Um, my first love was the Bee Gees. <laughs> I fell in love with disco and country. And I used to listen to those a lot on my 
radio Walkman, and then uh, the internet happened to me, and all of a sudden I just started expanding, and and then Ozzy happened to me. So it all kind of avalanche from there. But Ozzy was the biggest influence of my life so far, I think, and and that came around when I was about 11 years old. So ever since then, I've just kind of been rocking out. (laughs) What is it about Ozzy that's so attractive to you? Oh gosh, I, I wish I knew. He's just, he's kind of crazy. He's not conventionally handsome, but to me, he is just sexy and he's hilarious. I think that it's kind of his humbleness because he's, he's very humble, very upfront. Yeah, he's just who he is. And I just love that. And his music saved my life. It really did. I was in a very dark place when I, when I heard Ozzy for the first time, like actually heard his music and listened to it. And I credit him with saving my life and turning me around to be who I am today. And I thank him so much for it. And I don't know. I just, I just love him so much. It's something that you can't explain. Like I'm sure you ladies have a favorite rock star and all the listeners out there have that one person that they just love for some reason. (laughs) For sure. It's interesting how, you know, we can all feel so connected to a musician when, you know, we don't know them in person, but like we know them, you know, or like they know us. Maybe that's, that's the thing. They seem to yeah be able to yeah. you know, connect to our spirit. Exactly. Uh, through their music, you know, they touch so many people without ever even knowing who it is or, yeah, I mean, I see, see so many people online who are just like, this music saved my life or this musician saved my life. And I always wondered how musicians feel about that, like what their thought process is. If they think, oh, you know, it's just, it's more of the same, like, or if they really feel for that. I mean, the connection really came between me and Ozzy through the sound waves. And I've never met him. I met Jack, his son, but I haven't been able to meet Ozzy. I will, though. Oh, I will. I'll make it happen. I was just going to ask, actually, how close you've been able to come and if you uh, do plan on meeting him in person someday. I definitely want that to happen. Um, The closest I've come to him is six feet apart. I was six feet away. Um, I used to work at, or not work, I used to be a part of this comedy group at in Hollywood in this place called the Comedy Store. And the director, uh, whose name is Don Barris, works for Jimmy Kimmel. And he had Ozzy and Jack on J- the Jimmy Kimmel show for their show, Jack and Ozzy's World Detour, which is really funny and a little bit educational. It's really funny <laughs> and ironic. <laughs> and so um, Don took me backstage, me and my boyfriend Demetrius, and there was Ozzy, like 10 feet away, 6 feet away, and his son Jack. And it wasn't Ozzy that I was able to get the attention of. It was it was Jack. And I had made some bracelets, uh, part of my jewelry line for him. And I held my hand out, and I was like silently calling out to them. And Jack came over, and he was like, oh, what do you got there? <laughs> and he took the bracelets, and he was so thankful and so happy and and their family is just, just really nice people. So I, I really want to come close er, to Ozzy. I, I want to meet him. I want to shake his hand. And I might faint, but, you know, that's how it goes. Um, him and Sharon were really smart, or maybe it was Sharon who's the real brains there. But, uh, you know, we, we kind of all grew up. I mean, I don't watch reality shows that much, but I definitely watched the Osbournes when it was on. And it's it was like one of the first times you got to see, you know, a side of a rock star that you think is one way. And then in reality, they're just nothing like, you know, the perception of them. That was like a really interesting, you know, oh, opening yeah. to that. Who else would oh, yeah. you and want with Ozzy, to see I like feel... a reality show of oh well let me see there was the gene simmons one which was hilarious and then there's the ozzy one that's a tough one maybe richie blackmore because he's very very uh musically talented and creative but he's also very reclusive so that'd be uh, a musician that i would love to see a different side of um because you know seeing him on stage or musically you get this image almost of a an alien or a godlike presence, for lack of a better term. And you always want to know that different side of them, which is sort of what Pamela DeBar did. You know, she saw them on stage, but she wanted to know them separately. And to see them on reality TV in the early thousands, the 2000s, was was a different side of these rock stars and these rock gods. So, um, yeah, like I said, Richie Blackmore and let's see, who else? Gosh, most of my favorite rock stars are dead. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to say which ones. Um, but, 
all of them. <laughs> I feel like Courtney Love, especially in the 90s, oh. that would have made for some interesting TV. Or oh, now. very, very or much now, so. Yeah. You know who I'd like yeah. to see? What might be interesting is what goes on behind the closed doors of Jimmy Page and Scarlett. <gasps> yes. Oh, that is such a good one. At first, I was very, very jealous of Scarlett because I had, when they first started dating, I had this massive crush on Jimmy Page. Like, I was almost going to run away to London to find him. It didn't quite work out that way. And then he got with Scarlett. But, you know, she's nice and very talented poet from what I've heard. Um, you know, we had a little bit of a chat on Instagram one time. And she's very polite, very sweet. So it'd be really interesting to see their dynamic. Because, you know, you got one side of the group that says, oh, she's just in it for the money. Then you have the other side of the group who are like, no, they actually, you know, they're they're together and they seem pretty happy and on our Instagram they they seem pretty intimate and close but that would be a really good one to see the behind the scenes <laughs> for sure yeah they've been together for a few years now that's clearly you know an emotional relationship there too yeah I think it's been six or seven years because they started dating right before I moved out to LA from what I know, from what the media tells us. So, gosh, yes, six or seven years so far. That's, that's pretty good for Jimmy's track record. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, speaking of deep, uh, you know, uh, connection, you have quite a deep connection with the L.A. Dolls. Um, when we were riding to go antiquing in Vegas with Miss P, you were talking about an experience in Joshua Tree with the L.A. Dolls. And I just thought, wow, I can't even imagine that, that that's a thing that's so magical. And during the writing workshop, uh, you sat at their table for one of the days. What makes the the LA dolls so special hood so special and what does this sisterhood mean to you I think for the LA girls it's because we are with Pamela so much more than other people and we're also very close to each other as a group I mean I have shared things with this group that in writing that I haven't really shared with anyone in my life not even like my my blood family or or anything like that and it's just this bond that I never encountered before this I, I almost want to say sisterhood but that almost makes me think of like you know a college sisterhood which I was kind of always like eh, whatever but this is the first girl community or the female community that I'm able to finally feel comfortable with and I think for the LA girls again it's just this is where Pamela lives so we get to see her more we kind of get to see each other more and I don't know about the other writer groups, uh, but we all keep in very close contact in L.A. Uh, yeah, a few of the writer girls and I went out to J-Tree and had uh, a really good experience with some uh, you know, psychedelics, so to say. I don't want to go in detail for their sakes. <laughs> but it was just this really bonding experience for us then. And then I also hang out with them outside of class more so. And I've tried to join other writing groups on Facebook for this project for Pamela I was working on. And they were very reclusive. You know, they didn't want to add me because I'm not in their city. And there's this lack of a bond with the other writer groups that I really wish, like uh, in, in Vegas, that we could all come together. I mean, we're all in the same, you know, bond and the same sisterhood. It's just some of them just kind of seem a little bit more like antisocial almost <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone but I just feel like the girls in LA are a little bit more open and we're just always around each other and as far as how it what it means to me it's it's just very special and important for me to have this base of females because my life is very male dominated in the sense that I'm always around guys <laughs> my boyfriend and all his friends you know, there's very few women in our group, not because it's sexist or anything, but he's a rock climber and an outdoorsman. And there's very few, like, big groups of women who do that. So to have something like Pamela's writing group is to share who I am and to be myself and to not feel judged in any way. It's, it's really important to me personally, and I know to a lot of other people. Um, and then, of course, meeting the other dolls in Vegas, like you guys or ladies and just everyone else is it's been a, quite an experience since meeting Pamela. I'll, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe, I mean, we're the same here in the Toronto group where we connected immediately. And 
um, some of the girls that I met in that first writing class, they, they are my best friends now. And they're yeah. people, you know, yeah. you can rely on always and talk to about anything. And I think maybe the ones that are a little more reclusive, maybe they need to have that in-person bond night first because it is yes. like you said like you just you bear everything like you're telling stories you've never told before and you know it's important i think you know f for some people and for all of us really to have that um face-to-face -face connection when you're telling those stories and to f like feel what they're feeling and that's unfortunately something that doesn't always come through over the internet but yeah, <laughs> you know, I think we're we all at the heart of it, you know, f have that same experience in her class. Oh, absolutely. I see it on Instagram when she goes to other cities. She's recently in New York, I think. And there are quite a few dolls that I knew from Vegas or Instagram who live out that way. And to see them all kind of bonding and just being all friendly and happy and just sharing this incredible experience, it really made me happy. Mm -hmm. And I hope that more girls can come to the Vegas experience so that way we can all really socialize and open up. I mean, we're so spread out. It's so distanced. It's so, it's almost kind of hard for us all to really get to know each other, especially like on Facebook platforms. Um, but I think anyone who has a chance should definitely make it to the class. Uh, you know, it's, it's a life-changing experience for me. It was. Um, so I hope that in the future, more of us girls can open up to each other and really just, just bond. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. I've never talked to a woman who went to one of Miss P's classes and left being like, eh, it was okay. <laughs> you know, it, it is oh, like, yeah, just such a, an experience. And it is, it is like a once in a lifetime, you know, thing to have that connect, especially with women. I know when I was younger, I found it difficult to, you know, build female friendships and how oh, to, yes. and yeah. yeah, you just, th this, and Miss P, she definitely changed that. And speaking of, um, you know, life-changing decisions and everything, where were you originally from and what brought you to LA? I was, my family, <laughs> my family's complicated, but we were more so uh, two hours outside of L.A. is a town called San Bernardino and uh, an area called the Inland Empire. It has like Redlands and Riverside, San Bernardino, and I grew up around there. I, we were constantly moving. I think the longest I stayed in one place was probably just eight years, and then uh, the shortest I stayed in one place was two weeks. Uh, my mom's very gypsy-like. She was not like in the terms she's like bohemian, but like she's always got to move and and never really staying in one place for long. And then I always was obsessed with Hollywood from a very, very young age, as early as I can remember. I just, I needed to get to Hollywood. Something spiritually, I don't know, metaphysically was calling my name, and it was just, I had to be here. And for years, I tried to get here. I tried to figure out how I would make it work. And then I met these two people in the desert <laughs> and one of them impersonated Jesus on the sunset strip. And then the other one taught at an all girls school in Beverly Hills. And they're the ones who introduced me to Pamela through her first book. I'm with the band. And after about a year of hard home problems, uh, they were just like, Hey, why don't you come live with us? So I was like, okay. <laughs> and then that was it. I, when opportunity knocks, I opened the door because that's the only way I could get anywhere really. And I took a leap with these people I barely knew, and I moved in with them. And then two weeks later, I moved in with someone else. And then I you know, I found Pamela again. And we were actually neighbors when I first moved to L.A. We were neighbors for about a year. I lived just a block away. And it was great. And I moved here for Pamela after meeting her in L.A. <laughs> That's another story. There's all these stories that kind of make up the grand story of how I came to L.A. But long story short, after meeting Pamela in Hollywood for one of her infamous rock tours, I just knew it was where I had to be. I was like, you know, I have to be where Pamela is. And if she's in LA, it's got to happen. And it just kind of did. And, and now I live with my boyfriend in the Valley and we do pretty okay. We're like 30 minutes from Hollywood, 40 minutes from the beach. It's like LA is to me, it's expensive and crowded, but I was just meant to be here for some universal reason, spiritual reason. I feel that this is where I was always meant to be. And oh. now I'm here and, 
a lot of stuff has happened. <laughs> I started my jewelry company. I met all these fantastic women, uh, all this fantastic music. And just even in Hollywood, like the, the cool clubs are disappearing. Like the Hard Rock Cafe was shut down a few years ago, and now it's a parking structure. But I kind of come here for those remnants of that time, like the 70s, that really drew me there. And it's, it's kind of a big old hodgepodge of reasons. But now that I'm here, it's very hard to consider leaving. <laughs> Well, you're so fascinating, and I really so I'm I'm trying to put some things together for myself as well. So we, what we have in common, you and I, is that before I was five years old, I must have lived in six different places. It was all around yep. Canada, um, but Canada's pretty big, so it was all around Canada okay. where we would move because of my dad's jobs. And then since I left home at the age of eighteen, I've been in places for only a maximum of five years at a time. So I very much okay. have this in me as kind of you probably do too. And your mom did too. Oh, yeah. And I think I might hold the record for being at the most, being a part of the, the most um, of Miss P's groups because I've done London, England, Vegas. Oh wow! I've done her first and only online um, work or what's it called, like writing workshop, and then Toronto. Yeah. And I plan on doing the LA one. So I think I might hold the title. But I really think too, when when I met you, it's like, this is not Stardust's first time on this earth. This is, it might be your last, but it it's not your first. And I feel like a lot of these things and why you needed to get to Hollywood and just be you being who you are, has been in a lot of past stuff too. And I've actually just been exploring that in the last couple of weeks. And it just makes me think like, who was she in the past? <laughs> I always think about that. I believe very strongly. Um, I follow three different religions, kind of three different gods. And I believe in past lives. And I feel like in a past life, I was involved with a scene in LA in more of the seventies. And then I died in a car crash, which is why I hate driving, but I have to. And I feel like, I, I've been living all these past lives, which I've had many, for a purpose. And I don't know if this particular life is that purpose, um, but I, I definitely feel like there's been past me's just kind of around the earth, mostly here on the West Coast. I know it's weird to say, but I've had a past life regression that went as far back as like the Viking ages, where I was, where I believe strongly I was probably a Viking. <laughs> I've been men, I've been women. I, I really feel this. And it's not just like, oh, you know, I think I think this or I think that. No, I it's something I feel. Certain dreams I did. I used to study dream work and dream. Um, I don't really know what the scientific name is, but I just I used to study dreams. And so I would go back into my own dreams and I would write them down and study them. And so that's why I believe so firmly that people more people, you know, some people don't, but a lot of people live multiple lives. And I feel like you know, people like you and me have definitely lived more than one. <laughs> and like you said, this could be my last life or it could be just another footnote in the history of humankind. But all I know is that I'm living for a purpose that I feel instead of know, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's funny because you said, you know, you you feel like the West Coast is, you know, where your spirit lies and everything. And I feel that exact same way with New York. Every time I'm there, I'm like, this is my home. I've I've lived here before. I've lived here many times before. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, like the 70s and the 80s, like I know I was there for that. Like I feel that, you know. Um, yeah, it's not just being a fan of the era or the fashion or the rock stars or even none of that really matters. It's just this feeling that you feel not in your head, but in, in your soul almost like when you walk into New York or I walk into Hollywood, it's just kind of like, yeah, I've, I've been here at a different time. Like you can almost hear that time you were there, almost smell the smells and, and hear the excitement of what was going on. And I feel it very passionately, which is ultimately what I think brought me to L.A. and called me to L.A. And through that, meeting Miss Pamela and all these women, it's it's just been one heck of a ride. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. It's almost like, you know, walking around feeling nostalgic. And there's a difference between like yeah. feeling nostalgic and, you know, uh, enjoying an era or liking the music from yeah. that era or, you know, the fashion. 
um, you, you feel the nostalgia, you, you know, you miss that period of your life that you, you know, were and weren't a part of, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, that you remember, but not entirely. Exactly. I, when you mentioned the Viking, your Viking past, it made me think about your jewelry. Um, you have a lot of interesting pieces up. Could you tell us a little bit about how that came to be and, you know, how, what inspires you in that respect? Absolutely. The story of the Twisted by Stardust company, it's, it's mainly based in copper. I do a lot of copper work. Everybody wants, like, you know, silver or gold, but I find that copper is a little bit more of a spiritual healing metal and a therapeutic one for myself. And I love working with glass, natural stones, coral, bones. I have animal teeth and raccoon knuckle bones, and I collect a lot of stones from here in L.A. People send me stuff. Like My boyfriend's mom sends me so much stuff, buffalo teeth. Um, she just... It, it, it never ends. And I really like this natural and very empowering kind of jewelry line. Um, a lot of other women and ladies do something that's a bit more delicate, but I, I make armor. <laughs> I make chain mail for women, lady armor, and bracelets, necklaces. And it all started with my boyfriend. <laughs> he was doing something in the garage, and there was an electrical box full of copper wiring just sticking out of it. And I collected these rocks in Santa Monica that I only find in Santa Monica. They're this beautiful, like, purple, milky, blue color. And I don't really know what it is. I think it's a moonstone, but I'm not sure. And I collected those. And in the garage, there was this box with all these wires. And my boyfriend handed me some tools and said, why don't you make something? And then he, he's bought me a toolbox. He's bought me, like, gifts as tools and stuff that I, I use for this. So he's been actually a big influence on my work. But I just, my jewelry is meant to be delicate, but also empowering, almost like a security blanket for someone. Um, especially in today's world, everything is so hectic and chaotic. You know, you got people in office, people uncomfortable with that, you know, people in office, at least here in the U.S. And there's just so much chaos, and I want people, or women especially, who wear my jewelry to feel almost like it, it's their armor against the energy of the world. It almost sounds like this crazy psychic thing, but I just want it to empower people, and it's pretty much all I wear myself now. People give me jewelry as gifts, and I'm like, oh yeah, thank you. I will probably make this into something I'll wear, but... I just, I love working with it. And now it's like my head always goes with new ideas. My boyfriend's mom always sends me new stuff to work with. And it, if I see a piece, like she sent me this beautiful piece of red coral, and I just made that into this awesome necklace last night, <laughs> I get so sucked into it. I just, it's this, it's like an art. Like Van Gogh had his paintings and I have my metal. And it's something that I just want people to cherish forever you know it's stuff that's meant to last stuff that's meant to be strong and weather the future and years and i want people to in the future be like oh yeah i wonder who made this like when i pick up a piece of vintage jewelry or or clothing i always wonder like who wore it who made it who thought of it you know was it mass produced or was it something that was just very unique kind of like my jewelry i want it to be unique um, and I want people to, in the future, just one, I want it to give the same wonder to the future generations as I have received from past generations. So Twisted by Stardust is all natural, just glass, metal, bones and rocks. I, I prefer not to use plastics just because there's already enough of that in the world. Um, so I use a lot of recycled jewelry in that aspect as well. But I'm always creating. I swear, it's like I can't go through a single day with without not creating something. Oh, it's inspiring. It's a little obsessive. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, you're definitely one of the most creative people I have ever met. And when we come for our visit in the fall, I hope that um, I can purchase a piece of your jewelry. I would love to have a little piece of stardust and some armor and and all of that. So. We'll definitely get that from oh, you. Definitely. I would love to show you the workshop and just kind of all the stuff I do and make. And 
anything you like, take a look and we'll see what you find. Because oh. there's so many stuff. I swear, it's like a treasure chest full of stuff. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. It's gonna, that's so exciting. We're so excited <laughs> for, for our trip. I'm so called there as well. And coming from, you know, a small town in, in Canada and in northern Ontario, even coming to Toronto was a big thing. So heading to L.A. and Hollywood and seeing you is going to be a really special time. I can't wait. So speaking of all of the things that you create, I want to talk about Starseed Magazine. I purchased the, was it the first volume from you at uh, in Las Vegas? But you've got two and they're absolutely amazing. Can you tell everybody about Starseed Magazine? You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Oh, thank you. Yes, Starseed Magazine started almost 10 years ago, I want to say. It's just like on the cusp of being 10 years ago. I had just discovered Pamela DeBar, and she got me super inspired. I had just graduated high school. And I was just, I was at home, unemployed, just kind of minding my time, trying to figure out how I was going to get to L.A. Then I met those people. Then I found Pamela. And it was like that summer was this burst of almost like my own summer of love, my own 1969 for my personal use. And I started taking pictures of myself in like a hippie wardrobe, all my hippie clothes. You know, I would go to the thrift store and get like hippie stuff and bohemian kind of clothes. And um, I started taking pictures and putting them on this website called DeviantArt, where there was a pretty good rock and roll and Led Zeppelin community for a few years of just, again, younger girls. And at the time, I was like the oldest out of this group. So it kind of felt weird. But at the at the same time, I was only 18. So what started off as just a bunch of pictures about hippie wardrobe called Hippie Things, it was like a collection of these photos, fast forward about few years eight or seven years and all of a sudden I am in Pamela's world I know all these groupie girls and I know bands and there's way more fashion happening and all this stuff combined and there was already a big kind of group on Instagram about these psychedelic artists and handmade clothing inspired by the 70s and 60s and all these people and I wanted to bring it into the physical sense because, you know, it's one thing to have something online, but it's also something to have um, to hold something tangible in your hand. That's not just fashion. It's like a collection. And that's what Starseed is. It's a bunch of groupie girls. It's, you know, artist women, mostly women so far um, in terms of like the artists and the girls who are featured. And I review bands. I've found a couple new bands. I think the last one I just did was Greta Van Fleet, which was pretty good. But that, that band is funny because they have like a love-hate relationship with the public. It's really funny. But um, yeah, Starseed is just something where we can all, we don't have to hunt it down with hashtags or phrases on Instagram. It's like, it's there. You get to see all these girls and you get to see them all 
in the same place and it's tangible, it's physical. You, you can go online and check them out. But again, it's something that you can also treasure because one day the internet's going to collapse in my, in my opinion. <laughs> one day we're going to go back into the dark ages and we'll be left with nothing but books and magazines. And my one goal in life is to just be remembered in future generations to come again like with my jewelry i want people to look at it and be like oh i wonder who did this who made that and with starseed i just i don't want anyone to i don't want this moment in time and pamela's legacy to just fade away i want the future groupies to see this magazine and be like hey i that's me like i there are other girls like me there have been other girls before me you know i'm not alone and i think that's a phrase in the first issue that this girl um i think in italy who writes for me her name's alice she's really cool she um said that it was when she got into this community uh, online she found that she wasn't alone and that's a big key phrase for a lot of these women is that they're not alone and it's one thing to be on online and to see people and to kind of be friendly but it's another thing to see them in front of you in a more physical sense and Starseed is just meant to reach out to all these women. Speaking of which, if anyone listening, or if you know anyone who is a groupie or like a psychedelic artist lady, or even a lady musician, send them on over to Starseed. I would love to, you know, line them up, have interviews done, or just feature them. I'm always looking for new women just to reach out to this community because I want us to be brought together more. And I feel like online, it's one thing, you know, we're all kind of together. But when you see it in front of you and you hold it in your hands, it's a totally different feeling. So Starseed is coming out with issue three at the end of August, I hope. And issue three is special because I have a couple more band reviews than normal. Normally I only have like one featured band and I write up uh, an article about a particular musician. And I don't know which musician or lady muse I'm going to do this time. I'm thinking either Lori Maddox or... Catherine James, <laughs> I'm not really sure, but um, for the band, I have uh, this band called the Blackfoot Gypsies from Chicago that Devin is a big fan of. She recommended them most most uh, exuberantly, and <laughs> she was very adamant that they should be in there. And then, let me see, there's going to be a review about this awesome band called The Struts, which a lot of the ladies who write for me were like, we need to do something about them. The Struts are a big deal right now. So just kind of bringing everyone together, giving them something to work with. And Starseed is something that as long as people are interested and as long as I have people who want to read it, it'll just keep going. So hopefully someday it'll be as big as that uh, Star magazine in the 70s or maybe even as big as Rolling Stone <laughs> magazine. That's a pretty big statement to make, but that's, that's my ultimate goal with it is for it to just reach out to as many people as it can and just bring all these women together in the physical realm, get everyone off the internet and into reality again. So it's a project and I run it with just a few other girls who write for me. And at the moment I don't pay anyone, which I feel really bad about, but again, I'm just making enough money to keep it going. So hopefully it gets to be a little bigger one day. Cause this is definitely a labor of love for yeah. me anyway. Everything starts as a seed and grows and you got to dream big and it, you're so much like us where, you know, our goal is to continue on the tradition of, you know, telling these stories, experiencing these things, finding our people. And yeah, that's one of the most, you know, rewarding and enriching things about, you know, the this in general has just been, you know, um, connecting with other people yeah. who understand. Apparently, it's yeah. a soul type. I was just listening to a podcast the other day about soul types, Ooh. and I forget Ooh. what it is, and I'm actually going to buy the book and I'll show it to you. It's like the Old yes, Souls Guide or Journey, and it's like a workbook, but it tells you, yeah. and people who have platforms like podcasts or magazines that strive to connect people are a very distinct kind of soul type, and it's no wonder that we all feel so connected to one one another is because we share a soul type. Wow, I love that. I love hearing that. <laughs> that makes sense, actually. It really does. It makes a lot of sense in how we all connect and come together. But it's like, it's a certain path, and certain people are attracted to this path. And um, that's, that's like my ultimate goal, is to just reach out and bring everyone together. I want to read that book. So if you, 
you know, if you bring it around when you visit L.A. or something, I'd love to take a peek at it. And uh, also it. with Starseed Magazine, like Pamela always says, like she is out to reinvent the word groupie because it's not a bad word. It's not taboo. It is in the dictionary. Groupie is defined as being an enthusiastic an uncritical follower. And actually, Pamela, when I told her that, when I put it in the first issue, she was like, huh, I never actually had heard it described that particular way. And to me, that makes so much sense. It's just the, someone who loves. And I want to help her to reinvent the image of the groupie. So let's, let's hope that this, this helps in some way. <laughs> For sure. I think everything that we do is is helping toward that because people are, you know, understanding that, you know, it, it's first of all, not a sexual term. That's not the go-to oh, yeah. for it. And yeah. that anyone who kind of turned it into that and a negative, you know, that, that was like a weird era of slut shaming and trying to put women down yeah. for, you know, being, being free exactly. sexually and physically or you know f emotionally just it was about freedom and people fear what they don't understand and what they don't know and fear can turn into something very volatile from what i've learned in life and i feel like in the time when groupies were coming about that was very an inappropriate thing nowadays it's more the world is a little bit or at least you know in in this kind of era it's a little bit more freeing you can kind of have a little bit more freedom without that judgment because there's more of us i feel mm -hmm. whereas back in pamela's day there were very few ladies doing what she was doing so in that aspect people were almost afraid like oh my gosh these are women who who don't listen to men and in the 60s and 70s it was a very male-centric um society it's it still kind of is but it's also not because a lot more women have come up in the world these days uh, as powerful figures. But back then, it was just this big old thing where people, I think, were honestly afraid of the groupie because they could not control her. She did, as Pamela, to quote Pamela, they did what they wanted, when they wanted, with who they wanted. And exactly. I think that ultimately was a self-empowerment that uh, upset the norm. And it probably shocked and scared a lot of people. And then I think the 80s came around, and 80s groupies were very different for the 60s and 70s groupies. They were more of like, they just wanted to sleep with the band, and that was it. Because like Motley Crue, in their book, uh, Dirt, they talk all about what they did with women. And it wasn't very... It was a very different time from like when Led Zeppelin or you know other rock stars were very big in the 70s and 60s. So times are changing, and they're always going to change, but all we can do is just try and right the wrong that has been done to the groupie community. So. Yeah. And even like oh. the women in the eighties, like that was liberating for them and they were doing exactly what they wanted and they were doing what all those band dudes were doing yet. No yeah. one is, you know, <laughs> telling Motley Crue, you know, I can't believe you did that. It's like right on brother. Like that's a crazy story. Yeah. Like good for you. You know, like the double standard yeah. is insane. Um, I mean, I'm not one to be very, like, political or drawn into the feminist crowd. I mean, a lot of people might consider me a feminist, maybe, but I'm very, I'm very not much a feminist. I'm a, hum I'm a human, and I believe in everyone being humans. But when it comes to that double standard where the men can screw around all they want and people are like, ha, ah, you know, that's cool or whatever. But then all of a sudden the woman wants to pursue one rock star like Pamela. Pamela was not a homewrecker. She only had like one one night stand, if ever. Um, so she wasn't very much into like, just like, oh, another notch on the stick. She was like pursuing relationships with these people. And the fact that people would call her a slut and a homewrecker, it's all like, are you serious? Like Jimmy Page left her at the Whiskey A Go-Go to go pursue Lori Maddox. Like, he, he shows up with Pamela, ditches her, goes after Lori, and basically kidnapped her, and the rest is history. Um, so it's like this weird double standard that hopefully we can reverse and eliminate because that, that was always kind of weird to me. So, so, like, why can guys, you know, be the bee and go from flower to flower, but if the flower has multiple bees, she's not... It's weird. It's oh my a weird god, that's kind of such a great way to put it. I've never heard it that way, and that makes total sense with the flower and the bee. Right. Flower with all those bees surrounding her. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, um, no one complains about the bee going from the flowers, but everyone complains about the flower having all the bees. So I don't know. It's time to change. <laughs> that's that's a great that's a great comparison. Uh, yeah, that story with uh, Pamela and Lori and Jimmy was quite quite a story and quite an experience. And speaking of which, do you have any uh, memorable concert experiences or rock star short stories that you'd like to share with us? I wish I had better ones than some, you know, I have some stories, but other ladies have better stories. But for me, it was uh, seeing Black Sabbath at the Forum was one of my favorite experiences because Black Sabbath and Ozzy changed my life. So to see them live, even just once, was a very emotional thing for me. I mean, I saw people who were in their 60s and 70s doing exactly what I was doing, which was standing out in the aisle, just like headbanging, dancing. And I could tell that a lot of them were looking at me like this. Okay, this chick is younger than like 90% of the crowd in here. And yet she's totally rocking out. Music transcends the ages. I, I love it. 70 year old guy next to me loved it. And, uh, you know, it was a very big experience. And I love that kind of cultural overlapping where you have the past and the present just kind of loving it in the moment at the same time so that was a good one uh, and then there was you know meeting jack osborne that was a big one i really wanted to meet ozzy but you know jack is really cool too he's so nice and the fact that he took my offerings i made him and ozzy some chainmail bracelets um the fact that he took them and thanked me for it and seemed genuinely appreciative of it that was very touching to me. Um, but I got to say, my favorite experience beyond all the Osbournes was probably seeing Robert Plant at the Palladium. And the Palladium in Hollywood is a very small venue in comparison to the other uh, venues that people normally perform at. So it was very intimate. I was like 20 feet away from the stage. There were women were throwing bras and flowers at Robert. And he's like 60 something years old, but he still gets all this attention. And there was this, there were these two chicks. Um, my friend and I went and there are these two chicks to the side of us that broke out in a fight. Like, there was a fight at a Robert Plant concert. And I was like, come on, this is Robert Plant. We're talking about if it's like, you know, a mosh pit scene. Okay, cool. But these two women probably got drunk, probably got jealous of each other. And we're like, no, I love him more. Who knows? But there's a fight. There were bras there were flowers. It was just, uh, it was so awesome. And there's Robert Plant just looking as magnificent as always, his long hair, and he's so beautiful, and he's just loving the crowd. And that was a really, that was probably my first big rock moment was seeing this legend, Robert Plant, 20 feet away. I was, uh, it was, it was enchanting. He's just got such a presence, and he's sexy for an older man. I like older men. My boyfriend's 25 years older than me. I love just their class and kind of their past. And how they're they're just a little bit I don't know. There's something different from the younger generations, of course. But uh, seeing Robert Plant was probably one of my favorite experiences in that regard. He's <laughs> Robert's great. Robert, if you hear this, I love you. That's amazing. Uh, we have a little Robert Plant connection and that Ooh. we interviewed a photographer, a Toronto-based photographer named Vanessa. And Vanessa shot some beautiful photographs pretty up close of Robert's face. And Robert oh. Plant now has his own podcast. And the <gasps> artwork for his podcast is the photo that Vanessa took. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, way to go, Vanessa. Yeah. Um, I also remember one time being with Miss P and um, she was like, oh, I got a voicemail and she put it on and it was Robert just being like, hello, Miss P. And yeah. it oh. was just so cool oh. having that like six degrees moment. I was like, I'm living through this. Oh. I'm living through yeah, it. Yeah, the concert that, uh, that I went to, she had actually seen Robert because he was on tour at the time. She had seen him on the road and we were like texting her, me and my friend uh, Janine, who She's been to class before, but she's always traveling, so I don't see her much. And uh, we were like, oh, Pamela, are you going to come? She's like, no, I'm sick. You know, I already saw him on the road. She kind of hung out with him a little. And, yeah, I think that that's awesome that out of all these rock stars, it's like Robert Plant and Miss P still communicate. Yeah, maybe not all the time or, like, you know, not always he's over for tea or something, but just the fact that they keep in touch and yeah. that, you know, he's still, like, friendly to her all these years later. Like, he's never forgotten her. It's that impact that she had on him and the fact that they're still friendly. I think that's just a beautiful thing. And he's so funny and witty and sweet. And it's like, 
gosh, if I met him in person, it would be very hard not to kiss him. Just saying. <laughs> and yeah, like you so, said, really like cool. even though he's older, like that voice still holds up. He's incredible live. Oh, yes. And unlike other rock stars, because I feel like some rock stars like Ozzy has been through a lot of drugs and stuff. And I'm sure Robert had his run, but Ozzy can't hit a lot of the notes that he used to. And I'm sure Robert has his you know, ups and downs as well. But Robert is just so clean and pure up on that stage. And he's just, uh, his smile and his little laugh. He's, you know, it, his outside may change in age, but on the inside, he's still that 19 year old kid who belted out, um, some, you know, song from Led Zeppelin on some TV in 1969. It's like, he's, I'd love to meet him. <laughs> he's so cute. And that's what's so special about music too. It's just like you saying as well, you know, at the live shows, there's this universal connection there. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be next to a 90 year old who's, you know, feeling it just as passionately. And it really does bring people together. And uh, there's, there's nothing like, you know, a live show. Oh yeah. My boyfriend and I, we go to like, uh, there's this really awesome club near us called the Canyon club. Been around forever. You know, usually hosts some pretty good bands and, uh, We've been there a couple of times, mostly to see cover bands like Led Zepp again and then uh, Bonfire, which is an ACDC cover band. Um, oh, I think we saw them at the Whiskey, but they were at the Canyon. But just, you know, it's, it's these live bands and people just come, younger generations, older generations, and these people, they just all feel this bond, whether they're different personalities or, you know, whatever separates them beyond the music, the music brings them together ultimately. And, you know, my boyfriend and I, we share a lot of music in common and he shows me rock and roll that I'd never heard before, something that I love. And I think that's also something that draws me to my guy is that musically, culturally, we're just, we're so in tune and the music is a big part of it. You know, we'll quote songs to each other or like we'll sing to our dog. It's, it's really like kind of weird how we, we act privately, but we're just very, you know, the music brings us together. And for me, music has always been a big emotional thing to me. It saved me from a lot of dark times. You know, I've been, I've dealt with suicidal thoughts and depression and, you know, just bouts of complete anarchy and madness in my family and household. And honestly, it's like music time and time again, it grounds me and it almost, it makes me want to stay on this earth. <laughs> it's a very profound thing for me. And so to see him live like Ozzy or Robert Plant, it just, it brings it all together and makes it even more real. And it's like a spirituality. It's a spiritual thing for me, the music. So seeing those guys live is just uh, it's beyond orgasmic. I just love it. <laughs> totally. Thank you so much for sharing that. This has been such a fun and interesting and joyful conversation. Before we wrap up here, I wanted to ask you one more thing. And that was about your writing uh, you ah. write, yeah, you, so aside from the writing workshop, you also do kind of fiction and, uh, you're such a fascinating person. Just really, I would love it if you shared mm -hmm. a little bit about the kind of writing that you do and if people are able to so access it at all. Oh, absolutely. Um, right now my biggest project and one that I started before the magazine and before anything else, uh, was. I mean, I've been writing for, gosh, more than 10 years. When I was probably 10 years old, I had this dream, and I just wrote it down, and that was the beginning. All of a sudden, I carry journals with me. I'm always creating new plots and entire planets, and I've created entire religions. For me, it's almost like, you know, uh, don't strike me down, heavenly powers, but I almost feel like a human god in the sense where I create entire planets and, you know, you create these lives and these individuals and you put them through trials and tribulations and you give them love and take it away. It's almost a very powerful and emotional thing for me. Writing, like music, has been a big part and a big part of who I am in my life. And so my first book that I published on my own is a almost 800 pages epic novel called Dragon Soul. And it's like Game of Thrones mixed with Lord of the Rings with jimmy page and robert plant thrown in uh this book actually has 
all the members of Led Zeppelin hidden inside of it. So if you can figure out, I mean, a couple of them are pretty obvious, but then the other two, not so obvious. So if you can read my book and find out who's who, you know, power to you. But Dragon Soul has been a labor of love. It's going to have two sequels and a prequel coming out in the next few years. I also have a series called The Wars of Omiya coming out. And Omiya is a planet uh, with 30 different gods, 30 different continents and so it's that's a big project all on its own and then i have starseed which is starseed out of everything i write is the only thing that's um like real everything else is fiction you know this is the only thing that's non-fiction uh is starseed but another big project i'm working on is called the chronicles of hollywood and i may have spoken a little bit about that in class in vegas mm-hmm. like briefly um, it's basically, it's Hollywood and California, 4,000 years from now, there's been a, uh, a nuclear war, there's been colonization on Mars and interaction with aliens. And so after 4,000 years have passed, there's this crazy religious and uh, magical battle going on. So this queen, this woman finds herself as queen of this kingdom, and she's trying to defend it from this religious city-state that would rather take it over. It's just this big thing about women in power, rock and roll being an actual physical force. Like, there's a scene where in a courtroom, everybody's all, like, out of control, talking and not paying attention. So this guy, instead of a a hammer in the courtroom, he he breaks out a guitar and an amp, and he gets everybody's attention by strumming it really loud. So it's kind of mixing uh, the fantasy of rock and roll and, like, what they portray in their songs into a mass giant story and i've written it by seasons and i think i'm on season two about to enter into season three but i have about 15 seasons planned so this is going to be a big project and i would really love for it to be a uh, like a series i think it'd make a great animated series i just don't know how to really do that but yeah hollywood the hollywood chronicles can be found online you just type it in hollywood chronicles and it'll be on blogspot um so I have that going. And then my magazine you can find on Instagram. You can order it through Starseed Magazine on Instagram. Um, and you can Venmo, PayPal. Just we'll work it out if anyone wants to, to buy it. And issue three is coming out end of August. Super excited. Uh, it's looking really good. I have a lot to share with this new issue. So I can't wait to get that out there. But if anyone's looking for any of my books, Dragon Soul is on Amazon. Just do Dragon Soul by Stardust and it'll pop right up. And then for the magazine, just go to the Instagram. And then for the blog story, you just hop on over online to Blogspot and type in Hollywood Chronicles. So a lot of my stuff is built on fantasy. And I just want people to have an escape from reality because that's what fantasy is supposed to be. It's supposed to be this ultimate escape into your mind, into into a place that's just different and out of this world. So that's what I do and hope to accomplish with my writing and for me i'll never stop writing whether if starseed eventually ends one day heaven forbid i'll have i'll just keep writing all my other stuff so never ends and it's one of my greatest loves that's amazing not only are you gorgeous on the outside but your imagination and your creativity is also beautiful and inspiring and i'm so happy that we know you and i'm so happy that we're friends like oh i'm giddy just listening to you yeah, your oh, mind is a magical you. place. I, I'm so excited to read some of your writing. I had no idea about uh, your your books. Oh, yeah. My books are my most in-depth. And, I mean, I've been kicked off of writing websites because when I posted some of my work, they called it vulgar. <gasps> and I wouldn't, call it, I wouldn't call it vulgar. I would just say it's like it's not sugar-coated. It's not like if there's a sex scene, it's not like, oh, uh, they, you know, they made love and then you move on. No, it's like I... I kind of describe, you know, what happens, the emotions, the feelings, what they're thinking, because, you know, when you are making love, there are things that go through your head. And whether you're in the moment, just feeling it, or, you know, whether there's things that you're thinking about or passion that goes through your head, like I just translate that all into the story. And I probably should cut back on some details, (laughs) but for the most part, I don't sugarcoat it. So if you want a dose of like heavy fantasy slash reality within the fantasy. Yeah, I think you'll like my books. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for letting us dive into your head for a little bit and get to know you a little better. No problem, ladies. I had a blast and I would love to meet you 
uh, links in the future face-to-face. That would be awesome. So if, if and when you come out here, you know, we got to do something. I'll take you girls out for a trip to Hollywood or something, and, and we'll just have fun. Oh, seeing it with Today. you would be a real dream. So thank you so much. This was so much fun. I think people are really going to love it. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I know. I know I am. And I'm going to share this thing all over the place. And I think it's going to be fun. So thank you, ladies, for having me a part of your podcast, of which I've been really catching up on since uh, Vegas. And I, I just love your stuff. Like, this is a great podcast. And I can't see I can't wait to see how it goes in the future. Thank you. And same thing with all of your with all of your things. I think we have we all have a lot of very exciting things ahead of us. I know that all of our dreams are going to come true. And as long as we keep on supporting each other, then there's no limit to the kind of success that we can all have. Exactly. We should all work smarter, not harder. Work together, you know, with like minded people and just spread the love. That's ultimately what it's about. It's just spreading the creative and the love. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together.